Motorheads, thank you for clicking on episode number four, House Call with Doc Love on Race22.com. Today I'll be connecting with Brian Obadijanski, a.k.a. Obi, originally from the Long Island, New York area, now resides in Franklinton, North Carolina, and calls Southern National Motorsports Park his home track. Obi captured the hearts of many short track purists by winning his first late model stock car race back in June at Southern National Motorsports Park with some of the very best drivers in the field, including current NASCAR Wheeling All-American Series National Points leaders Philip Morris and Peyton Sellers. With Morrison Sellers returning this week along with the third national championship contender, Mike Looney, Obi is once again primed to shine. So I thought it was a perfect time to have Obi share a story of how he ended up in North Carolina and how he got started in racing. I first asked Obi, what was your inspiration that got you hooked to racing? My, uh, my father growing up was, was into cars and wrenching of a different generation where you could take your mom and dad's passenger car, open the hood, make improvements, and get greasy. And lack of better terms, be your own mechanic, which is kind of dissolved away today's day and age. But dad being a little bit of a grease monkey um, kind of got me into it. And I had a go-kart at an early age that my Uncle Dave purchased. It was nothing fancy. It was just a yard cart. But really enjoyed tooling around Grandma's backyard and... Uh, At the same instance where I grew up on Long Island, there was only one racetrack. Years before, there was Freeport and Islip, um, which were big tracks in the the 70s. But growing up, late 80s, mid-80s, early 80s, there was only one track for my parents to bring me to, and it was Riverhead Raceway on uh, on the east end of, of Long Island in Riverhead there. And I used to beg them all week. Some kids wanted to go see the New York Yankees and the New York Mets play, but I begged every week for them to take me to Riverhead, and they did. A lot of times during the summer, I, I I can't remember 100%, but I'm sure it was at least every other week, if not some weeks consecutive. But standing on the chain link fence, my fingers through there, and leaning up against it from the time I was probably five, six years old, I knew that I wanted to at least drive a race car. Um, never thought that I'd get anywhere doing it, but I just wanted to be one of those heroes, one of those hometown heroes that children look up to. That was that was the the big point of it was that it was something it was a role model as a young child so I thought that was cool wanted to live up to it and as the years went on it became more of something that I could see almost obtain and work hard enough and when I turned 16 I got an NASCAR license and we went racing at Riverhead and I can still remember my first race kind of rolling through the gates with my own car that I built all by myself with the help of some friends and the technology department at the high school I was at. And got there, and I think we finished like maybe top 25 out of 30 cars. But wow. for me, that was like I, you know, I was there. I did it. I hit that goal. I achieved it. I was 10 laps down, but I couldn't care because in my mind, I was I was doing what my heroes had done all my life. So, just step by step, little by little, continued to progress, and here we are in 2019. I, we're down here in North Carolina, and we got one of the biggest races of my life coming up this weekend. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it goes we'll, fast. We'll touch on that right here shortly. Now, in the early days, before you actually got behind the wheel, who were some of the drivers that you looked at? What are some of the names of the drivers that you said, yeah, I want to be like that? I hope you got time because there's a lot. But <laughs> um, growing up in the Northeast, there was not a lot of late model racing. There was some late model racing. Um, it wasn't the premier division, though. The NASCAR open-wheel modifieds were – 
by the grace of God and 600 horsepower, like they always describe, that was the car. And some of the drivers there, um, Tiger Tom Baldwin, Eddie Flemke Jr. Oh, yeah. Um, at the time, there was there were so many. Uh, Teddy Christopher, Mike Stefanik, Mike Uanitsko. The list goes on and on of guys that I watched through my childhood. Um, the colors and the schemes of those cars and how raw the power was, that's what really kind of drew me, drew me to the sport. But some of the bigger names, as I got a little bit older and started understanding and becoming a student of the sport, guys like Dick Trickle and Kulwicki and Ward Burton, uh, guys like that that really came through the grassroots. Uh, the, the the biggest of, of my younger years would be Mark Martin, um, a guy who him and I interact on the Internet all the time. He's always watching and giving me some some positive feedback. It's really cool that someone you look up to that got you into the sport is, is watching you now. And a Hall of Famer like that just – just paying attention to what I'm doing on a daily basis means the world to me because that was a hero and now is almost a racing peer in my mind. Oh yeah, that's always got to be inspirational and and gives you pride in yourself, you know, which uh, you got to have in these days. You got to have in this sport, that's for sure. Uh, now you talked about your first race. I know a lot of the guys, no matter who you talk to, no matter what level they are, they always talk about that first race, how important it was just to finish. You know, a lot of guys want to go in and win, but a lot of guys, just to finish that first race really set you off to continue on, that's for sure. What type of car was that first race for you? That first race, man, I could, I still remember it vividly. <laughs> Deke McCaskill always talks about some of the old races that he remembers, and I'm like, man, I don't know how you remember that, but I, I remember that race vividly. It was a 1988 Mercury Cougar, and we blew the windows out, ripped all the interior out, put a cage in it, worked on it um we were going for that like elliot look you know during the thunderbird cougar (laughs) days we were kind of going for that look and i went to uh i went to work one day and i came home and my dad had painted the car like the the petty 43 and i was heartbroken i was like man i was i was going for the elliot look but here we are looking like a petty car and i had got a 100 hundred dollar sponsorship from a job i was working at at a balloon store it was it was a job. I wasn't proud of it, but I blew up balloons for parties. So I, I come home, the car looks like the Petty 43. It's got balloons on the side of it. My dad hand-painted <laughs> the number and hand-painted the sponsor logo on there. So that was kind of that old-school little little spin right there. So that, that part was cool. But I remember getting to the race, getting to the track, getting out there, and, and doing okay. I didn't light the world on fire, but I remember when I dented the car, I put a scratch on that fender, and I was upset. So I remember... It wasn't the fact that I didn't win the race. It was the fact that I worked so hard on it and put a scratch on the fender. And that little did I know that was just going to become something that you have to deal with racing on a short track. But I remember that, man. That was that was definitely the, the memory taken away from that day was the scratch on the fender of my petty car. And then uh, as we progress with your racing, years later, uh, you get a little sweetheart who happens to come from a racing family. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, talk about how that transpired. <laughs> absolutely um love of my life best friend of god um walking around the pits at riverhead and you know me and the, me and the guys used to kind of raise a little bit of hell back in the day and <laughs> after the races we're kind of wandering around checking out what's going on and here i here i go seeing this girl and i'm like man i think i work with her at the balloon store like, oh you know oh well so i say hi to her and think nothing of it and go to work the next day and there she is and realize she goes to my school at this point, I'm, I think I'm a senior in high school or junior in high school, and 
you know, I see this girl, and then I see her at the racetrack, and then, you know, it's like, well, I guess i got to say hi to her because she's at the racetrack, so that's super cool. She obviously likes it, and come to find out her uncle was was racing a modified at the time at the track, and the family was really cool and kind of asked her out on a date and went to a movie, had some dinner, turned into a second date, third date, and we got married in 2012, and we got two kids now. So <laughs> she's uh, she's never not at the track. Everybody knows that we got a small team, but my wife and the kids are always there. She's only missed two or three races since I've been racing, and one of them happens to be my late model win this year at Southern National, which was <laughs> was a tough pill to swallow. But she's always there, and she's very supportive. You, you need a supportive wife or partner or husband, whichever way it goes. You know, um, you need that support system because this is a grueling schedule. The summers are hot. Sometimes you need extra motivation, and having someone that's that's there supporting you gives you that extra push to go the extra mile to get the job done on race day. Oh, absolutely! And coming home and going driving that car in after a you know hard race, if it didn't go your way, seeing your wife, which is your best friend, and your two kids, hey, whatever happened on the track, that's behind me because you got your family in front of you and your support system, and and you know win, lose or draw, they're gonna be there for daddy. That's right, you know, and my daughter is only, she's about to turn four in September, but she still hasn't figured out the fact that and when I get out of the car, it doesn't matter where I finish. Sometimes we're on the front stretch and sometimes we're not, but wherever I get out of the car, she's got her little checker flag Aww. that Mike Diaz sells down there at the park. And Daddy won the race. Daddy won the race. That's the <laughs> coolest feeling in the world, man. I could finish 10th place, and I still win because she's all excited that I'm just getting out of the car and we get to go get French fries and ketchup. <laughs> That's right. There you go. That's good stuff. Absolutely. Um, Now, with uh, with her family racing in the modifieds, did you ever uh, wheel a modified? Uh, just as of recently, I did. But um, with the family, I was I was there to help uh, another small team, and they worked their butts off, underfunded, all family out of pocket, and they held their own on that modified tour. I'm really proud of them. I was proud to be a part of it. But uh, during those days. I was probably better suited turning wrenches and learning <laughs> better than getting in, in the in the 700 horsepower modified at Nazareth or at Magic Mile. That probably wouldn't have ended well, but just recently I went home, ran a modified at Riverhead, I guess about three, four weeks ago now, and, and that was uh, that was a ton of fun. Kenny Southern invited me. He knew I was going to be home for a wedding, and he said, man, if you're going to be home, come on out, get out there and, and, and race, and it was, it was a blast. It was really cool to watch the suspension move up and down, and well, I was supposed to be paying attention to the cars in front of me, and I'm watching the... I'm watching the ARs going, man, this is neat, easy throttle linkage and everything. But it was a good time, man. Those are some amazing machines. Uh, what brought you to the Carolinas? Was it career or was it just say, hey, that's where the racing is and what I want to do? What brought you to the Carolinas? It was, it was a little bit of both. Um, cost of living's real high where we are from on Long Island, and we both come from real blue-collar families and wanted to expand our horizons before we had a family and decided that Long Island wasn't the place for us. And started looking for jobs, and uh, I got an opportunity to go work for Rick Hendrick uh, at his not the the motorsports shop, but uh, with with his Cadillac dealership. So I went there for a number of years, and then found my way over to where I'm at now, which is Thompson Cadillac. So it was it was career driven. My wife is an elementary school teacher. Like I said, just American folk, blue collar, living the dream. I'm a mechanic. She's an elementary school teacher, and I've been blessed enough to drive a race car. But it was it was mostly fueled by looking to start careers in a spot that was better for us in our in our minds to raise a family in North Carolina and the Raleigh area seemed like it was probably the best place you could throw a dart on the map. 
There you go. Well, I'm glad you came to the Carolinas. What, what was the first year that you uh, drove a, a, a Charger or a limited late model? Or you know, When did you finally uh, move up to that, that kind of division? That was the year I made the switch to Southern National. Okay. Um, that was that was that first year. I was running four cylinder stuff for a while. Um, I was driving a backup car for for Eric Winslow for a little bit at East Carolina and at Ace and a little bit of South Boston, but had uh, had really only jumped full time into a ride that I was preparing myself there in twenty was it twenty it was twenty sixteen. I'm sorry, okay. twenty sixteen after the championship at Ace in the four cylinder. Yeah, and and laps and and you know when when people. You know, I've sat around and and I've known Philip for a long time. You know, before I got out of it and back in, I'm not surprised he's still racing and in great shape. But when I just stand around and chit chat and see other drivers talk to him, uh, when they say, "Man, what, what, what's, what's, you know, how, how come you can come up here after not being at Motor Mile, let's say, for uh, a month or so?" and he'll just say, "Laps, man." He said, "I got more laps there than anywhere," and I think that's where. Yeah this comes into your advantage with them coming to your backyard man you got a lot of laps there so uh, i really think you're gonna give them a run for the money this weekend i hope so and i appreciate that but you know it's 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 like anything in life repetition you know you you do a certain thing a number of times and you get you get that muscle movement that muscle memory and I feel like I'm learning the track every time I go out there and I hold a little bit of it in my memory bank. I know where some of the seams are. I know where some of the cracks are. And I just I can feel my way around there better and better every time I go out. But that's that's the same thing. You know, there was drivers in the Cup Series that were good at flat tracks, guys like mm-hmm. Bobby Hamilton. And, you know, it just they seem to excel at some tracks like that. And we've got our guys that are good on road courses. And everyone's got their home turf advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And... Southern Nashville is one of one of my all-time favorite tracks. Uh, used to love when the uh, the Turkey Derby was uh, the big deal. Even before Race 22 came along, man, the supers and the late models there, and seen a lot of the the, the greats come to their uh, race, and it used to be so much fun. And so I'm looking forward to getting back to to, to seeing that and covering that again. So uh, Southern National is so fast. Uh, you carry a lot of speed, and you talked about earlier, uh, you guys, uh, you know, not a lot of wrecks. I think that, uh, I, I think people will, drivers will think before they take a risk at that track because it is so fast. You know, I really think that has a lot to do with it. So you get a little more respect on the track because you only wreck a car once there in late model because you will destroy it if you go out there and drive over your head. Um, I think you could do that at just about any track. Um but I feel that there's it, the Southern National is so wide. You know, you've got opportunity to go higher, go low, or go to the apron, or duck down the pit road. There's plenty of spots to kind of avoid, um, and you begin to learn the characteristics of the guys you're racing with too. You know, um, you can see things developing, and and watch a couple rows ahead of you. Uh, but there's never really, like you said, you know, you're gonna wreck a car, you're gonna wreck a car, but. Most of the times when when we're racing out there, especially in the recent past, it's been just fenders and bumpers, you know, which you're going to have that at every track. But I think that's also a testament to the caliber of drivers that we've got at that track in the recent history. You've got some really good guys that are really passionate about it and smart about it and know what they're doing and don't destroy cars because no one one wants to. (laughs) Right. Flat out, no one wants to do that. That costs money. Especially, you know, the guys. Oh, yes, it does. It don't cost money. It costs a whole lot of it. (laughs) Absolutely. But, uh, you know, you talked about being a small team and things like that. Um, Are there some advantages, maybe, by being a small team, by you doing every, you know, every inch of that car 
So sometimes I think that's an advantage uh, because I see so many times when you get just a driver and something small happens, they don't know what to do. They either yeah, park it, it for... It gives you a different appreciation. Right. That's, that's that is certain. one thing. But what what it also develops is the skill to learn when I put a spring rubber here or if I turn this bolt this way and then you get back in the car and it's wrong, oh, that was the wrong way. We're going to go the other way. But then when you can feel it, visualize it right. and do it yourself that's going to make you a better racer any day of the week in my mind i'm sure there's people that would disagree with me but i'm sure there's a whole handful that would agree with me yeah. and it, my take on that is the more you do on your own car the more you're going to understand and allow you to feel with multiple senses that that you've got what that's actually doing handling characteristic wise to the car absolutely i agree with that uh, Without hands-on, I, I think you're really missing out on learning uh, how to go fast, what it takes to go fast, and and the big thing is, is, is any any parent will tell you, uh, if you just give your kid a car, they're going to tear it all to pieces. But if they earn it, they're going to appreciate it, and that's the thing, same thing in racing. If you get your hands on it and you have to repair what you tear up, you're going to have more of appreciation for for the equipment that you're racing, which turns into respect to the racers around you as well. Absolutely. I've already told my wife, if either one of the kids want to race, that's fine. And we're sponsored by a rivet gun company, but they will use a hand riveter like I did in my teenage years (laughs) and pull 500 rivets on a race car so they understand what it's like to put fenders on. And 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 they'll forearms like Popeye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, a little birdie told me, you know, you talk about being a small team. A little birdie told me that, and I want to find out if this is actually true, that you had to uh, get the wife to take her car out of the garage so you can get your race car in the garage so you can do some work on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't have a shop. I, I, I don't have a shop. Um, wife parks outside in the driveway and the race car stays in the garage. I work out of a 20 by 20 garage. I've got limited amounts of tools there. I get unbelievable help from Deke McCaskill and Boyce McCaskill. Um, I'm so grateful to not only be able to learn from them, but to call them friends because they're amazing people. Um, Meeting people when we moved down in the South was tough, but meeting extraordinary special people that are able to help me. And and the biggest thing is learning. Being able to make the changes, learn it, and have Deke describe to me what's going on is is so cool. Um, You know, role model type guy, great family guy and he's always willing to help me out. I don't know why. I still haven't figured it out. I really don't know, but we do the most of the, the majority of the work right there at home. So I come home from work, I change diapers, I make dinner, do some laundry, vacuum, extremely domesticated, I suppose. But sometime around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I, I check out. Um, I get outside and I turn the radio up and get to working and roll in the house back into the house sometime around two o'clock in the morning and that's about every night to make sure that we are ready with the best chance we can to, to go racing on saturday at, at mike diaz's joint there and as uh, roger says that is the ultimate short track grind right there that is the true definition of of short track grind right there for sure and it's it's hard it's tough sometimes especially when your buddies kind of back out if you need extra help when you're in the shop by yourself but when it comes together like it did for your victory earlier this year. Uh, talk about that a little bit before we, we move on. Talk about, you know, how that, you know, when what that felt when all that work and all that time and all, you know, being underfunded and, and under uh, manned, but reaching that checker flag in front of a stellar 
uh, uh, field of cars that you was racing against. Yeah, that was uh, that was a day I'll never forget, and I, I could hug Andy Marquis for the photo he took. Um, like I said, my wife wasn't there. We had just welcomed Grayson into the family, and with him being two weeks old, I thought, you know, why don't why don't you just stay home? She was still a little bit, you know, under the weather from giving birth, and I said, just go on and stay home. Um, it was me, my engine builder David West, who is another standout guy. He's just he's become like a brother to me. I love him. Uh, and Captain Ron DuPont, he's my spotter, and I, for lack of better terms, crew chief. We got a small crew, but I guess I guess if there's two, we gotta have a crew chief. So you know, it was just us. We we worked, we grinded, we practiced early that morning, and I knew the car was fast. I'm always I'm always real positive about going there that I'm bringing myself a good piece. But when I saw the tra- the trailers, Philip showing up and and Peyton showing up, I was like, man, it's gonna be a tough afternoon for me. But it came together right and. When I crossed that flag after I, I ran with Rusty Daniels, who's I've got a ton of respect for him. You know that was I chased him down last couple of laps, but I came across that line, and I, as soon as I knew I was coming out of two, and that was that that last lap had ended at least a half a lap ago, and I knew it was real, and that's when the tears started. And you know I never thought it'd be even considering myself a crybaby like that, but that was many many years of of hard work and dedication that led up to a win that guys like me are on paper not supposed to get so that was that was real special and to be able to hang out and and share it with some of the guys but then to get phone calls from from guys like tommy lemons and just people i respect and in the industry it was it was really special to me and you know it still hasn't really worn off and going into this weekend with with the lineup that's coming out um for national points it's it's got the equation for me to be able to do it again and i know i've put in the the hard work and time it's just going to come down to it's going to be a hot Saturday. It's going to be hot in the car. And as long as I'm mentally and physically prepared, um, I, I think we'll be in a good spot. But replicating that feeling, I don't know if I'll be able to do because that was just super special for me. Are you trying to not think about the pressure of those guys coming in? Yeah. Um, I don't want to claim any turf, but I've put in a number of years at Southern National. I, I, I will stand on the edge of the mountain every day and scream to the to the people in the valley below that that is the best short track in America. Um, Mr. Diaz has put together an amazing rule package with a great tire deal, and we're we're really running a limited package, more so than a late model stock package. So those guys coming in, they're coming into our backyard where we've got the experience this year of running with this deal. We've got the laps there. Um, we've got the experience, not to count any of those gentlemen out because they're the best guys in the country, in my mind, racing a late model. But I- I'm not really nervous. I'm excited to get out there and-, and get rolling. I'm excited to turn laps and-, and better myself racing with guys like this because, they're again, they're they're superior drivers. So it's it's all about having fun, but I get to do it on a stage like that all while racing Boo Boo and Bradley for a championship. Two guys that are, I enjoy being around. Boo Boo's a, a class act dude, and so is Bradley. He's a good friend of mine. So you know, we get to go out there, we get to go race and and have our own race. It's like one of those GT Le Mans type deal <laughs> where they're running like four, four different classes and three <laughs> different championships and all that kind of deal. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a race. The idea is to get to the line first, and it doesn't matter if they're going to put Dale Jr. next to me. I'm going to attack it the same way that anyone else would you get in there you strap your helmet on and if you're prepared you're ready for it now this is your first year in a late model stock or limited late model if you will what class did you race before uh this year um 
last year I was dumb enough to attempt to run the full limited late model program and the full charger program that Mike put on, which it sounded cool in, in March. It was like, oh, yeah, it's not so bad. And then when we had to move a million pounds of lead back and forth and change all sorts of this and that out during the week, we got to about July, and I was like, this was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've been running the combo of that, that limited and charger deal for a number of years now. I ended up winning the championship in the charger division last year. And I think it finished third in points and limited, just missed rookie of the year, but have run well. Um, it's a track I love. It's challenging. The weather changes that track. I swear the sun angle changes that track. So I really, I enjoy running there. I've run, I think I've run every class except a street stock out there. Um, so I've got a number of laps in a whole bunch of different types of cars. But uh, as of late, we've been running the car that I've got now out there uh, as a limited and or late model. I know you uh, raced a speedway in the past. Uh, how many years have have you been racing at um, Southern National? Uh, I went back full time to Southern National in 2016. I won a championship at Ace in 2015, and then started at Southern National in 2016. So it's been 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, and as many years as he's going to keep the place open and turn the lights on, we'll be there. <laughs> That's awesome. So so far this year, there's been six races, man. You guys have been battling uh, the rainouts and things like that, as everybody has uh, this year, it seems like. Six races for you, six top tens, two top fives, and, of course, that huge win, which I think there wasn't a, anybody in the southeast was not tickled to see that for you. So, And, and I know all of us here at Race 22 was uh, really excited for you. Uh, let's see. And what I'm looking at is is the competition level with this rules package. It's really exciting for me as someone who observes it and is a fan because there's only been one repeat winner, and that's your buddy Bradley. Stacy Perrier has been in victory lane, Alex Fleming, Mike Darn, and Boo Boo Dalton, and, and yourself. So that puts you, you know, that I like that. When I look at that, that kind of list, that shows me that there, the competition is level and the competition is tough. Yeah, there's this weekend, there's 15 to 20 cars that are going to show up to that track that can win. Absolutely. Uh, that's the bottom line. Yep. There's that many cars that can show up in the gate, put their helmet on, and go win. The competition is stiff. The racing action, I think we've been four wide this year. I mean, it's just <laughs> out of control for the fans. And I, the, the fans, every week I look up there and there's more of them. The word is getting out that the racing is just fantastic. Two wide, three wide, four wide, It's and it's been clean. We haven't wrecked a lot of cars. You know, it's it's been a good year of racing with some big names that I've been honored to share the track with. And I think it's just going to continue to go that way. I think we got eight races left, four of them this weekend. But I think Southern National is going to put on some fantastic shows here in the next couple of weeks as we wind this thing down. And, of course, the double double duty, or what they call it, double down uh, on the flyer that's going out, racing two different race events. It's, it's like two different race days. Racing Saturday, uh, gates open for the fans at 5 p.m. Uh, racing starts around 7 and that's Saturday, the 17th, the 18th, a makeup from, I think, around Mother's Day, because it's Mom's the Bomb is the name of the, the race event. On the 18th, the gates for the fans will open at 2 p.m., and the racing will start around 3.15, 3.30, uh, as per the flyer. So for the fans that are hearing this for the first time and are on the fence, this is the perfect storm. You're going to see some fantastic racing from the best drivers 
full body late model stock cars, limited late model, whatever you want to call them, uh, drivers here in the southeast because there's a lot of folks coming from out of town as far as drivers. Brandon Clements, Class Act, Brian Repco, talented young racer. So you're going to have a hodgepodge of the best racers in the East Coast. It's. I keep looking at my clock, saying, "What day is it? Are we getting closer? Are we getting closer?" I just want to. I want to get that trailer on the road, pointed pointed eastbound on Saturday morning, and get out there because it is. It's going to be great. Um, you can, as as the fans may think, ah, it's going to be hot. You can sit and watch the results or watch your race monitor, but that's the wrong decision. You need to be in the stands. You need to be there before six o'clock. You need to figure out where you're going to sit because it's going to be a packed house and it is going to be some killer racing. No, oh, absolutely. I think uh, if you're a fan of short track racing, even if you are a dirt fan or just like modifieds, this is going to be one of those bucket lists uh, race weekends because we, I don't I don't think I recall anything like this where you have to do a makeup on a Sunday and then have a Saturday program as well. So man, this is this is we're kind of you know marking on some history here uh, here in the southeast. So I think uh, if you're a short track fan, that's the place to be. Yeah, I I think like you said, a little birdie. I believe this was <laughs> done in 2013. Okay. Um. And there was one winner in all four races, and wow. I don't believe that'll happen again. I believe I'm told Ronnie Bassett Jr. swept all four races that day. Oh, wow. But I'd put good. I'm not a betting man, but if I would go to Vegas, I'm going to tell you that there's a good chance you'll have four different winners Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I would not. I would bet uh, big money that there will be more than one winner this weekend, no doubt about it. And I would not be surprised oh, yeah. to see four different winners uh, for the two races Saturday and Sunday. Uh, for sure. That's right. Well, let's, as long let's, as one of them has got a green 29 on it, we'll be, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> we'll right. be all right. That's right, the underdog. Now, you, you, you talked about that with your first win, you know, the, under, you know, the underdog. Are you really, you know, are you still uh, claiming that as your uh, moniker? <sighs> the backstory on that was so funny. We heard that them dudes are going to come down the Southern National. And it was like, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I feel like such an underdog. And it just stuck. And we came up with it on, like, Wednesday before the race, Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> and Captain Ron put the big underdog sticker in the trailer. That's awesome. And I was like, this is silly. This is ridiculous. And then it took off, and I was like, wow, this is cool for a minute. But, you know, I want to kind of state my claim is we've left the underdog status behind. But, you know, what? It was, it was cool to run with for a, a little bit. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, Brian. All right, once again, uh, this coming weekend, big doubleheader, Saturday and Sunday, racing uh, uh, Saturday at 17th at 7 p.m., gates open at 5, Sunday, a doubleheader, a makeup for the rain, and and plus, you know, all these uh, drivers, not a whole lot of tracks are racing this weekend, some have got some activities, I think Langley's racing late models, but other than that, hardly anybody's doing any racing, so... Uh, lots of drivers are they're not you know they want to get some more track time some of them have an agenda to get national points or or state points or what have you so you're gonna have a lot of talent there this weekend uh the gates open sunday at 2 p.m green flag around 3 15 3 30 so it's, it's it's going to be a stellar if you're a short track fan you need to be at southern national plus uh redhead and i were, were there covering the uh cars tour fantastic trackside food i gotta say some of the best fries i've ever had in my life that's right my my daughter will back you up on that but like you said man i anyone that's listening i urge you to support short track racing i would hope that it would be at southern national this week but i don't care where it is if you're not in the area if you're not in the region get to your short track 
spend some time there, take a kid, take 10 kids, but get to the track, support what's going on because we've got a big initiative happening right now to push this because this is the roots of racing and motorsports in our country, and it's, it's important to support the drivers that are putting their hard-earned time in and the, and the track promoters that give so much of their life up to go ahead and give us a place to do this, this, this kind of deal. So mm-hmm. get out there, get through short track, get to Kenley, make sure you're there, come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and that's the 29 ride, right? Absolutely, the, the the we are the the can't miss it green. Bradley McCaskill calls it the Elton John green because it shimmers a little bit, but it's got the big Aviator Brewing Company, Baby Moon Cafe, Ready Roofing, Zip Air Tools logos all over it. So Sweet. it shimmers. It's green. It's the only one there. It's green. You can come on and cheer me on if you can. There you go. And and what I like about especially this weekend, this is you know a short trackers. Uh, delight because you'll have big teams there that'll have big haulers you'll have your your regular short track you know box trailer behind a pickup or a dually what have you and you'll have some open car trailers but the point is not just the people coming in with big money big nascar cup style haulers uh are gonna be the only ones that have a chance because of the rule package that Southern National Mike Diaz has put together has really, really impressed a lot of people, and it's it's catching on. Just like Roger was saying when we were doing the live show, um, you know, some people are on the fence. Now you're starting to see the results and the multiple winners and how competitive it is. Man, I, he's really hit on something. So, like you said, 15 or or more could win that race this weekend. Absolutely, you know the the way he's got it figured out. And, and helping the racers directly, it costs me $150 to get in the pits, and that covers my tires, which I then turn back into them, but that covers my race tires. The the race gas is on me. Um, you don't have to buy it from the track as long as it's the, the correct spec. You can go on and put it in there, but to the guys that have the car that's sitting on the jack stands that have been sitting there two or three years and missing a fender and just a couple of parts, put the thing together. Mm-hmm. Ask for help from guys in the industry because there's everyone out there is going to help another short tracker. It's it's a proven fact. It's a big family. Put those cars together, slap a number on that thing, get it in the trailer, drag it, push it there, however you got to do it, but get it to the track because it, it could be competitive with the right amount of work behind yourself. Yeah, it don't matter um, you know w- what engine package you have. Their engine program is it's got it pretty level, and you don't have to have the latest, greatest chassis, the shiniest, reddest, whatever chassis. It's going to be competitive, you know, to a certain degree. You, you, I don't think you're going to go out there with the old, you know, uh, uh, sportsman uh, chassis from the '80s. But um, I guarantee you, uh, if you have an older chassis, you could go out there and be competitive and be a front runner, no question about it. Yeah, we uh, we are running a 20-some-year-old chassis, but it's straight, and we've got the work in it, and we've put the, the blood, sweat, and tears into it, and we have found how to make it go lower and lefter, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of what you got to do. Lower, lighter, and lefter. That's and right. Light. The three L's in racing, you got it. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, and I was Absolutely. wondering what type of chassis, and you do have an older chassis? I do. It is a uh, Townsend Oliver Racing Products car. Uh, the center section is... I think it's a 98 or a 99. It's got some updates to it, but they're a little bit old too. But Craig Oliver is is willing to help me and pick up the phone. And 
when I got questions or need some parts, he's able to to make them and get them to fit. And That's we, like I said, we, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's a, a year old or a couple years old. You can you can make a car go around any track you want to, as long as you're willing to put in the effort to it. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I've really enjoyed you, and uh, looking forward to. Um, uh, I, I wish I could be there. I got to work this weekend. The old day job getting in the way of some good racing this weekend. <laughs> but I will be keeping my my eyes peeled uh to race 22 i know langley will probably have some uh, live updates uh, race day live both days lots of pictures you know and some videos but if you're within 300 uh, miles of this track you need to be there because it's exciting it's fast it's fun the competition is equal and that's what everybody wants everybody wants to see everybody with a sh- uh, shot to win this is the perfect storm so you need to get off the couch get to the racetrack southern national motorsports park google it look it up however you ask your neighbor you need to be there i mean i can't say that enough i wish i could be there but uh but man it's it's so excited for what uh, mike and and his crew has uh going there and i really hope this is big as as i think it should be i really hope the fans support both days and the racers and uh, we want to wish everybody a safe race fast race and you know wish there could be 15 winners but there's going to be a lot of competition there so uh, you know everybody wants to to measure their self against the best man this is this is going to be that kind of an event yeah i'm i I, again i've looked at the phone and said all right i'm closer (laughs) (laughs) i can't i can't wait to get out there it's time to flip the switches pull the belts and put that thing in fourth gear and let's go racing well good stuff now and uh, you said just a little bit ago that some it was a little hard uh, to meet and greet folks when you came down here, what was so hard? Um, you know, I I, I, I well, feel like I've got the gift of gab. I know I could run on, but I guess it was just trying to find out. You know, was I going to go back to racing? I had took a, a hiatus, and I didn't know anybody at the track. And you know, you start talking racing sometimes, even to people here in the south that aren't accustomed to it, and they're like, "Wow, you know, I fish in golf. You got a crazy hobby." <laughs> You know, I don't know about all that. You go stand in the in the in the sun all day and then put on a snowsuit in the middle of June. I think I'm out on that one. So, you know, once once I found my way to some racers, that I, I bought a, a used four cylinder car from a cat named Eric Winslow, um, and kind of hit it off with him. And him and his family kind of hung with me for a little bit. And as that as I spent more time at the track, being a racer, you meet other people and then. Just kind of in turn, I made I've I've made a a long line of friends and extended family over the years now from being at multiple different tracks and and meeting people in the stands and and as racers. So it was it was hard in that aspect of just kind of trying to find your way back into the racing world after taking two or three years off. Um, and I struggled with it, but I've I've landed with with some good folks now. I was going to, you know, I wondered if some of that struggle was, it wasn't a language barrier, was it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> only when I go closer to Johnston County, North Carolina, there's, man, they got some twang down there that I wasn't familiar with. And I needed to learn a little bit of it, but I never really carried a strong, thick New York accent. My my wife does, and my mom, she's going to listen to this too, but my mom's got one heck of an accent. She sounds like Fran Drescher. Remember the nanny? That's that's kind of how mom sounds, but I'm not laughing yeah. at mom. I, I am not laughing at mom. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I put her on speakerphone from time to time here at the shop at work, okay. and 
when she she calls and everyone just kind of like wow that's really how she talks it's like a different it's like a different language so i never had to worry about that but you know sometimes you find your spots where where it's like wow what did he just say you guys repeat it again now have you catch yourself are you saying y'all and all that good stuff now no i don't my <laughs> wife looks at me funny if i do but every once in a while when i get wound up at the racetrack and i get a microphone in front of my face sometimes some of that slips out some of the sauce will slip out a little bit but we uh i still kind of hold it down as a little bit of a yankee i suppose but i try and keep it neutral well brian i need a lesson on how to pronounce your last name that's the last thing i want to do here with you the last name is easy i don't know what you're talking about the last name is pronounced obajensky but we literally obajensky we go with obi that's it you don't need a first name or a last name I don't, when you look at it, I don't know, it just throws me a curve, but it's the hardest last name since Matt DiBenedetto, uh, and I can say his really you know, easy the, now. the fella up at Motor Miles got one, too, Carl Bajeski. Oh, Bajeski. Carl Bajeski, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's right up in there. He's, right, he's, he's got the DZ thing. The DZ yeah. in Polish is a J. Yeah. So as long as you look at that as a J, Obidzenski will pop kind of right into your mind. There you go. There we go. Now we we got everybody to a little lesson on how to say it. So if you're still uncomfortable, just say, hey, Obi. That's right. Well, that's what Mike Bushy did. That's where it came from. I was at a driver's (laughs) meeting, and he's going through the roll call, and in pops this name, and he said, oh, hell no. (laughs) He said, I'm just going to call you Obi. That's the first four letters, and that's where it came from. It stuck like glue, and we've run with it. So Mike Bushy can take credit for giving you the nickname. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a big deal. Mike Bushy takes credit for the nickname. Brad Allen and Tyler Williams for running with it for so many years, and it just stuck. Now, wherever I go, it's Obi. Now, there's people that don't even know who Brian Obajenski is, but you say Obi. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the dude with the green car. We know him. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, man, we want to wish you uh, all the best this weekend. We'll be keeping up with you for sure. I know Langley will be there. He'll probably have some some other photographers. Who knows? Maybe Crazy Cora Latham will be out there as well. Uh, so, man, huh. wishing you guys the best, and 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 I hope hope to see that name uh, pop up there in Victor Lane on the race day updates uh, from Langley. That would be awesome. Regardless, we're going to have a good time. And big shout out and thank you to for to Race Twenty Two for everything they do for the short track world. It's uh, you guys put a lot of it on the map, and we're very as as all the drivers would say, we are very appreciative for the coverage that you give the the, uh, the sport of racing around us. All right, before we let you go, Brian, I know it's it's time to go. It's time to hit the road and get things on the track. But I know you got a lot of folks that are behind you. It might be a small team, but I know you got some folks that do support your team uh, as far as sponsors. You know, be sure and tell everybody uh, who these sponsors are so they can go out and do business with them as well. Absolutely, like we like we say, support the people who support our sport. Right. But we got a uh, we got a number of people that that have believed in me and trying to help me chase this dream aviator brewing company in fuqua Arena, north carolina best beer around baby moon cafe in morrisville north carolina that is the best italian food and pizza catering around so we're kind of covered there on a food deal nice ready roofing down in clayton north carolina all your roofing needs um you hit them up and let them know that ob sent you and you get yourself a free roof inspection zip air tools out of Kent, ohio some of the best pneumatic tools in the world then we also have three other special people, Max Pappas Innovations, AR Bodies and Brian Hall, folks down there at Greenbrier, Tennessee, and John West Racing Engines. John and David do a lot for me, believe in me, and again, those two are like brothers. So I appreciate everyone that helps me and fuels me to go fast. That's, this one's all for them. Hello. I must be going. 
I cannot say I came to say I must be going. We wish Obi the very best this weekend and the rest of the season in his bid for the Southern National Motorsports Park Track Championship. Thank you for clicking on Race22.com and listening to House Call with Doc Love. Until next time, we'll see you at the races. I must be away.